Hi everyone, my name is Itzir. My name is Isa. Uh, and we are here with a brand new podcast. Uh, it's called Behold. Yes, with an exclamation mark. <laughs> uh, if you're wondering what Behold is, right, it's sort of a... I wouldn't say a spin-off from our, our main flagship show, Genre Equality, but what we're doing is we're going to be expanding Genre Equality as a, as a show, and then we're expanding it into, into a brand, like into a channel, which will be hosting a bunch of different shows that is dedicated to all sorts of genres, not just horror, sci-fi, or fantasy, you know, like what, what, all the pop cultural things that are, are floating our boat at the moment. Yes, exactly, right. So we are very excited to be talking about things that we usually won't cover in... Um genre equality in the main podcast yeah and just generally um yeah recommending stuff that we've been into that are not necessarily genre per se right mm-hmm. that we've been watching or that we've been reading uh and just delve in a little bit deeper about our, our thoughts and feelings about those things correct yeah and and we want to kind of keep this podcast sort of timeless um genre is very current yeah it's very like we are we're reviewing the things that came out the previous month right so mm-hmm. for this we kind of want to keep it um Things that are seminal, things that you can watch, you know. So maybe some months or some weeks we'll talk about, uh, who knows, like The Godfather or something, you know, something that like a lot, some people haven't seen, but is is a really critically acclaimed or a really respected movie, book or TV show that we just desperately want people to check out. Exactly, right. Uh, and just kind of all those things that, you know, we, we can learn some stuff from each other um, mm. and like, uh, kind of open our eyes to do the good stuff that's out there, especially in this time when a lot of people are at home and like looking for things to to check out. Definitely, man. I mean, like part part of the major reason why we wanted to uh, kick this off right now. Of course, we're in the midst of the COVID nineteen pandemic. Um, and we we are based in Singapore, and much like you know the rest of the world, um, we don't have much to do, uh, <laughs> and like you know our social lives are basically on hold. La, so that gives us um a lot of extra free time on our hands. So what, what better time than to finally like kick it up a notch with genre equality as a channel, yep. with a brand new podcast, talking about, you know, there is a differentiating factor too. La, but that doesn't mean that we can't talk about genre here. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're not yeah. going to limit the whole. Um, it's just basically a lot of the conversations that we are having kind of offline with each other about other stuff that we're not reviewing. Uh, we mm-hmm. just, we, it's a good way to kind of like have that content you know uh recorded down for posterity and for sharing yeah yeah and and like uh, Isa mentioned you know it could be movies could be tv shows could be books could be manga uh, comics could even be music you know yeah. uh or, or even other podcasts or, or whatever like if they're like you know, narrative driven or something like that yeah um we'll, we'll be covering all of that and we're quite excited to get into it right and i think the to break down the format for those of you who are new, of course you're new, right? It's our first episode. <laughs> uh, for, the, for the premiere episode, uh, it's going to be an hour-long format. So initially, the first 30 minutes, we're going to be doing a deep dive into our main topic. The main topic of uh, each week or each every two weeks, is it's we're, we're still trying to figure out like the regularity of this podcast, but we'll fill you in later on that. But essentially, it's going to be the first 30 minutes on the main topic. This week will be Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. Maybe next week will be The Wire. Uh, maybe the following week will be something else. So that will be the, the meat of the episode. And then after that, we will each spend 10 to 15 minutes giving each other recommendations. Uh, so for this week, uh, I recommend it to Isa uh, to watch uh, a lovely little Italian series called mm. My Brilliant Friend. Yes. And Isa re- recommended to me to watch uh, to read uh, a Korean manhwa called Solo Leveling. 
so what we did was in the in a couple of weeks leading up to this podcast, we both like delved a little bit into it. You know, mm-hmm. so I read about 20, I think I'm at chapter 22 right now of the Manhua. Oh, nice. And 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 I saw watched a few episodes of my brilliant friend. So we are gonna have different points of views in the sense that there is a veteran review and there is a newbie review. Yeah. So this is what I feel as a person who has loved this show and or book and or comic for a long time. And this is what the person getting into it might might expect and feel. So mm. it gives you both sides of the coin. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So basically, we're kind of just doing um the the work uh, a little ahead of time, just so we have a bit more to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh. And hopefully that will help you guys uh, who are keen in checking these things out. Um. Uh. And uh, you'll be able to have uh, a a small peek into what that journey might possibly look like. Correct. Yeah. Just to yep. just to help you guys. Uh. You know. Um. Have a bit more material to kind of work on when you're deciding. You know what you want to, uh, pick up. Uh, from this podcast, mm-hmm. definitely, definitely. Um, very excited to jump in into our our main topic this this week. Uh, it's gonna be Better Call Saul. Uh, the latest season, the fifth season of uh, Breaking Bad spinoff. Uh, is I think in in my opinion the the strongest Better Call season, Better Call Saul season we've had so far. Easy. Um, it it was pretty phenomenal from start to finish, and, and Better Call Saul already has very. Very a very high bar. Um, it, it's it's never been, uh, it's never been bad. It's never been mediocre. It's never even been good. It's it's been great from season one onwards. Yeah, you know? from the get go. Uh, I think, like yeah. coming off of the the success of uh, when they first announced it, right off off the back mm-hmm. of, uh, Breaking, of Bad. Breaking Bad, right? And of course, Saul Goodman was an interesting character that we kind of got to see in drips and drabs over there, and then Mike as well, who is a main feature on the show itself. I was excited mm. to begin with, but I did not think it would take the form that it did. And in addition to that, be just as good, or if not, well, honestly, in my opinion, better than Breaking mm. Bad, which is with high praise. Uh, mm. Yeah, so let's dive into it. So it's man, it's, like uh, okay, the, on on the top, right? You you mentioned already, like it, it's sort of a, a discussion that everybody has had already. Uh, like is better yeah. also as good as Breaking Bad? Is better also better than Breaking Bad? Um, I feel that. Yeah, I'm leaning to your point of view, to what you just said, that Better Call Saul is a, a greater show, which is not any disrespect to Breaking Bad. You know, it's still one of the best no, shows no, of all time. All. Yeah. Uh, but I do feel it's unfair to call Better Call Saul better just yet because we haven't seen it stick the landing the way that Breaking Bad did. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, do we know how many more seasons of Better Call Saul we're going to get? One more. Uh, Better Call Saul will have exactly the same number of episodes as Breaking Bad. So the next okay. uh, season will have 13 episodes and it will, it will cap it off. So, so if the next season remains at the same level of quality, then yes, I will be, I'll feel confident in saying that Better Call Saul is a better show. But you never know if it stumbles at the ending. Because Breaking Bad didn't stumble at the ending. It's the, it's, you know, it's the crutch point, like, the, the clutch yep. Uh, twenty seconds left in the game, you know, uh, and and Breaking Bad like nailed it lah. So can Better Call Saul do the yeah. same? Yeah. Until it shows me that it can, I'm not ready to call it better. Okay, okay, you know that's completely fair. I I just have trouble believing that Gilligan and Gang are going to mess this up, mm-hmm. just because of the quality that they've delivered for five seasons already. You know, uh, so I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Fingers crossed. Um, I I, I think we've had a lot of uh, poor <laughs> endings. Uh, mm. A lot of franchises with poor endings over the last couple of years, um, big mm. franchises, and I, I just uh, really hope that Battle Castle doesn't fall into that. Um, 
yeah, but but we'll stay hopeful, I guess. We'll see how it goes. Of course, lah. I mean, I I highly doubt even if it does stumble a bit, I highly doubt it's going to be of Game of Thrones proportions, which I think is the show you're referring to. <laughs> uh, but I mean, on the flip side, we've seen other shows that we love, like The Good Place and Bojack Horseman, sort of sort of nail the final stretch. So I'm, yeah. I'm hopeful for this one, especially considering that this season, which is arguably the best season of of Better Call Saul, right, was mm, not yes. showrun by Vince Gilligan. You know. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Yeah, uh, this season was showrun by the show's co-creator, Peter Gould, who was a staff writer on Breaking Bad. He brought him over to Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. Vince Gilligan was busy during the filming of this season, uh, filming El Camino. So he didn't have time to really deliver much input into season 5, except for one key episode, which I feel was the best episode of the season. I mm-hmm. think you all know what I'm talking about. It's uh, Mike <laughs> and Saul stuck in the desert. Uh, oh. beautifully filmed survivalist tale and, and that was a Vince Gilligan uh, crafted episode but that was his only input into the season yeah well, I mean it was so good and it kind of really worked right given that um, Gilligan didn't have the opportunity to to uh, have his hands on anything else right that episode on its own was kind of standalone and outside of um, the general arc of what, what they were going through this season mm. yes but I mean at the same time also I did I did feel like it it served uh, as a nice little, like, almost soft reboot of the show. Because mm. if, if Better Call Saul has, has me, if there was one complaint of Better Call Saul, right? And, yeah. and there are very few complaints. It's a great show. But if there was one complaint that I've heard over and over again, is that Better Call Saul is two shows that don't mesh together. Half mm. of it is the Mike and Gus cartel show. And yeah. half of it is the Saul and Kim and Howard and Chuck lawyer show yeah and up from season one to now they've never intersected and i think what made the season great was the intersection of that and saul and mike being trapped together in the desert fighting off the cartel kim going to see lalo was the first time we really saw these two worlds collide and mesh permanently and and it kind of changes the fabric of the show do you think yeah absolutely absolutely i mean like the stakes are definitely much higher right now you know, yeah. and it's that, but does that necessarily mean that the last four seasons have just been a build up to this point, though? Uh, to an extent, I think all prequels are sort of a build up to a point. Yeah. But the, yeah. the magic of Butter Call Saul is that its ability to craft uh, rich backstories for not only the characters that we know, uh, for example, Mike and, and, and Saul, uh, the two, and Gus, we, we clearly know where they end up. Yeah, exactly. They, in fact, they remind us every season in the beginning, in the in a black and white <laughs> sequence where Saul ends up. But like in intense, crucial moments, the show has this like a magic ability to make you doubt whether Saul is going to survive this. There's there's so much tension, you know. Like yeah. I, the the magic of storytelling is that it immerses me so much that I forget that I know Saul is going to be okay. Yeah, and that happens all the time, and that that nervousness is amplified. For the new characters, I mean, I, I call them new in the Breaking Bad verse, lah, but we've seen them for five seasons. Like Kim and Lalo, for example, are the two characters that I think fans kind of worry a lot for. Yeah. And I think that their arcs for the last four to five seasons have taken us in very unpredictable places. Oh, absolutely. Especially with, I mean, both Lalo and Kim, to be honest. I mean, what, what, what do you think about that? I mean, I think, well, let's talk about Kim for a second, right? Like okay, she, yeah. her performance this season. And in all the seasons, but especially the season, has been standout, right? Mm-hmm. Just the kind of character work that she's been, she's been doing this particular season 
has been phenomenal, right? And massive, massive props to the writers and to oh no, I forgot her name. Um, Ria Seahorn. Yeah, Ria Seahorn. Love her. I love what she's been doing on screen. I I think if anything else, I tune in, uh, regularly this season just to see what happens to her. You know what becomes of her. Uh, what mm. uh, what even what her motivations are for sticking with a guy like Saul, right? Um, mm. yeah. So I'm worried you know, where yep. she will end up. Um, just because I've grown to really love her character. Lalo, not so much. I mean, like, he's in the game, as he himself says, and so, you know, like, you, we, we you don't mean, you mean You mean Nacho or Lalo? Uh, Lalo, not so much. Yeah, I mean, we okay, know where Nacho yeah. goes, right? Like, where Nacho ends up, so... Actually, we don't. Uh, we never see Nacho in, in Breaking Bad. Oh, that's true. Yep. Yeah, well, and given how the finale went, Okay, mm. yeah, 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 that's true. Um, so, yeah, I mean, n- not so much for that. I, I am more more curious as to where Kim ends up, right? Mm-hmm. Just because, you know, uh, I-, I think there's a lot of kind of promise there as she kind of flits between this whole, uh, the morality, uh, her own morality and, and, you know, this idea that she wants to help people, setting up a pro bono practice, but at mm-hmm. the same time, she's with someone like, like, like Saul, Um it's it's that that strange kind of like pull in several directions that I'm really curious how to see to get resolved, and the fact that we don't see her in Breaking Bad uh, mm. makes me a bit like worried. What will eventually happen to her? Does she go off? Does she call the vacuum cleaner guy? Does she die? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a variety of options, right? And I think knowing the writers is probably an option that nobody has thought of. Which you know, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be dope, like, Whatever they come up with. Yeah. Uh, but the key for Kim for me is is I I remember way back and there have been like a year and a half breaks between between seasons, right? It's it's usually a long break, lah. Yep. But like I remember early on in season one, I think when Better Call Saul was first coming out, I think Vince and Peter Gold were saying that the a lot of uh, speculation was that this is gonna be breaking bad for Better Call Saul. Mm. Like uh for, for Saul Goodman, like how does Jimmy become Saul Goodman, right? Yeah. And yeah, and to 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 an extent, yes, it, it is how Jimmy was how how Jimmy becomes Saul Goodman. But they were very clear in pointing out that Jimmy doesn't break bad because Jimmy is always bad. Yeah. Like before, before we meet Jimmy, he was he was slipping Jimmy, right? Yeah, that's he, right. He he turned good for a while and then he 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 re, he regressed and then all of that and it was it was beautiful to watch that character arc. But they were saying that this show is actually a Breaking Bad story for a different character, which they don't necessarily want to reveal. Mm. Uh, and seeing how season five ended it seems like the arc that he had in mind was that this was Breaking Bad for Kim Wexler. Um, the <laughs> final shot that we see of Kim and, and Jimmy where, where, where Kim was just... Uh, you know, Kim, if she puts her mind to it, she could be an evil genius that, that, that surpasses Jimmy. Yeah, and, sure. and And Kim right now seems to have totally like fallen off the itch. He has, she has broken bad. Uh, and... The the ending of season five, the real ending. I mean, not Lalo walking off, yeah, But yeah. to me, the the real thematic ending was was Jimmy looking unsettled or looking uncomfortable with with the monster he's created in Kim. Yeah, and it is a nice flip from last season when that show ended, when that season ended with Kim looking at uh, Jimmy, thinking, "What have I done? What have I created?" You know, when he says, "Saw good man," he yeah. did the he did double gun fingers, right? Yep, and Kimmy. 
reciprocated that by doing the double gun fingers. <laughs> um, and I, I thought that was, I thought that was beautiful. Yeah. It's, it's, it was such an unexpected turn because all of us expected that Kim was gonna was gonna leave Jimmy, right? Yeah. That there was like the inevitable conclusion. But the show has repeatedly over and over again. Don't know how many times they can pr- prove it to us, right? That Kim <laughs> is right, right or die, right or die to the max. Yeah. She will rationalize anything that Jimmy does, right. and and Kim will go to bat for him always. So what if Jimmy leaves her? That that now that's interesting. Ooh. Because it because it did look like it did look wow. like Saul. It did look like Saul was uncomfortable with the level of yeah. uh, of of of. The depravity that, that Kim was going through, like with, with regards to how it because yeah. machinations, yeah, because like Jimmy, for all his faults, was sort of basically pranking how it like it wasn't too yeah. malicious, right? He he sent hookers to him, yeah. he he destroyed his car with bowling balls, but they were all kind of playful, it's very Jimmy. Kim wants to destroy his essence, you know what I mean? His the, the who he is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I, I that scene is amazing. Uh, I I think like, you know, with, with the conversation that they kind of started out with at the beginning, while they're having dinner and so on and so forth, and like under the sheets, like it all seems innocent, right? And with the with just one question, it's like, you know, what if Howard did something really bad, right? Mm. From there on, and you can slowly just kind of chart like Jimmy's growing apprehension, and it's mm. ridiculously powerful because we've seen Kim's growing apprehension. I think. Over the course mm. of multiple seasons, and she's kind especially of... this season, yeah. And the way that dynamic flipped, where suddenly she's all cool with it, and Jimmy is uncomfortable. Yeah, right. Uh, or even the fact when she when she goes into the to the office and she she leaves her job, right, like kind of on a whim almost, right. That's something that we expect Jimmy to do. We don't expect Kim to do it. She's always. I mean, of... I wouldn't say it's a whim, like the show has kind of like shown us the process of why she wanted to do it. Yeah. Like she wanted to quit, um, God damn, I forgot her law firm. Yeah, uh, I can't. Uh, Schweikart Coakley. Yes. For, for a long time. And I think the only thing that kept her in the game for a while was her beef with uh, a crazy homeowner. Which was a great arc. Which was a great arc. And, she wa- yeah. and, 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 you know, the whole dynamic between how that turned from her wanting to quit to her wanting to sh- Show uh one thing to help him, yeah, in a in a way, uh to Jimmy betraying her, uh by going too far in 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 deliberations, to that leading to a marriage proposal, yeah, to them getting married, to to Lalo coming to their house, they these are steps that are so unexpected, but not unbelievable mm. the way that the show has crafted it yeah. which is which is kind of the genius of Better Call Saul I think mm, yeah absolutely does Jimmy leave Kim yeah yeah I mean like it's highly possible it, it, it is highly possible where we are right now there's one more season to go mm-hmm. we'll see we'll see Um, but again that doesn't kind of answer the question like where does Kim end up right which for me is kind of like the biggest question at, at the moment uh, yeah. yeah, so I don't know. Uh, I am looking forward to see like the extent in which she's willing to go for for her plans uh, that she's hatching right now, and I'm I'm curious. Um, I've got no sympathy for Howard, uh, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. He's kind of proved himself to be a giant ass uh, over the multiple seasons that we've seen, especially when Jimmy had more interaction with him. So 
Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I want to see how Kim does it. I want to see how, how Kim, you know, cooks some, cooks up some stuff. And um, I want to see if Jimmy can hold that back because I don't think he can. Hmm. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit on, I'm a bit on the, on the flip side where I think that I like how Howard was presented in season one was a was a red herring in in the sense that Howard wasn't the one who who held back Jimmy. The the big twist in season one was that you know it was yep. Chuck right yep. the finale, uh, and and Howard has kind of gotten a bum rap since his season one portrayal because you know people have that first impression in their heads. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like if you kind of look at what like Howard has done, uh, he's so he's done things. Um, in the interest of his business, in the interest of his employees, yeah. uh, in, in keeping his clients or, or helping his clients. Uh, and he is in an adversarial position to, to Jimmy and Kim, which is why people kind of see him as an antagonist. Yeah. But he hasn't necessarily really done anything like wrong or, or to do any to wrong Jimmy in, in, in any way. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying that he deserves what's coming. I just have no, you know, no sympathy for him, right? Mm. Uh yeah, that's just kind of the main thing for me. Like as a character, he's there to serve like certain plot functions, you know. Mm. Uh, and I don't see it. Uh, and if it's going to be the case whereby he's gonna serve like the major plot function for the next season and coming to the end of this series, then sure, mm. you know, by all means, like I, I want to see what's coming. Yeah, not that mm-hmm. he deserves it in particular. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I I sort of feel like um in this show. Howard is almost like the the, the Skyler of, of, of Breaking Bad, you know, oh. where like like Skyler never really did anything wrong, but yeah. people hated her anyway. And and the, and I never quite got I mean I get why like, they're, they're antagonistic, <laughs> so they're, they're, they're obstacles, you know, but like it's a bit un, unfair. Yeah. And and Howard Howard at this point feels a bit like a, a remnant of, of the old show, right? Yeah. Um with with Kim and Jimmy sort of like now fully immersed in, in the game. Uh, and how it is almost like a reminder of simpler times. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, he's not mm. in the game, he's remnant of the past, but mm. he's, he, well, his skin that needs to be shed in order for them to kind of fully realize, right, what, this, what the new show is going to be. That's the thing, and I've always thought it was skin for, for Jimmy to shed, mm. uh, but it turns out that it's skin for Kim to shed because Jimmy's whole outburst at the courthouse when, when, when Howard confronted him that he knew that he was the one who did the bowling balls. He was the one that sent the hookers to the, the lunch meeting, right? Yep. That whole thing. He, and then he, he went off, you know, lightning bolts from my hands, you know, his, his whole I am the one who knocks moment, right? Yep. As he shouts and screams and all of that. That to me felt like Howard winning because, you know, he affected Jimmy so much without really doing anything. He just offered him a job. Yeah. Uh, but with Kim, on the other hand, Kim Kim is a very interesting character because she is outside of deliberations, outside of her smack talk. Sometimes, yeah, she is a very um, not verbose character. No, character, she's right? not as transparent as Jimmy. Jimmy wears his his feelings on his sleeve, yeah, right? Exactly. So, so the the issue, uh, not the issue, like the genius of Ria Sihon's portrayal is that you can see her thought process. In moments of silence, mm. sometimes really long, extended moments of silence. Yeah. you know, yeah. she has like these, th- like a million thoughts, and like you can read all of them in micro expressions, and it, it's, it's a pretty amazing performance. Like yeah. I've never, I've never quite seen anything like that. It is crazy, and it's so, it's incredibly bold, right? Because like in mm. moments of silence like that, sometimes I think you know, um, directors will give you some of it and let you kind of fill in 
in your imagination, but they don't pan away from her. They don't necessarily, you know, like try and focus on something else or cut to something else and just say, oh yeah, she thought about something, right? Mm-hmm. Like they allow you to see kind of a full deliberation of that. And that's pretty ballsy, I think. And of course, like it's still, every time it happens, it's amazing, right? Like I think mm-hmm. this season for me was just the couple of moments that she had rummaging through the bag, right? And Jimmy's in the shower. Mm. Right and and discovering the cup, like just the uh, amount, the, the whole journey she had, like discovering that cup was insane. Mm-hmm. Um, like how quickly she kind of like flitted from from thought to thought and emotion to emotion, uh, yep. and still like being composed enough not to confront Jimmy about it, like wow, so good, so so good. In the first four to five episodes of the season, uh, it looked like Kim was gonna leave Jimmy, um, because. Of the whole revelation that you know, uh, Jimmy's whole speech at his uh his bar resentence or his bar rehiring right yeah. was all false. You know, he didn't really feel anything. Yeah. and I like the whole like Kim's acting at that point. Rhea Seon's acting at that point also. Like she sits, I I could sense every f- problem that she had with Jimmy, mm. but it was all told in awkward silences. Right, Jimmy would say a sentence and Kim Kim would reply back and Jimmy would reply back, and the sentences on paper seem to flow, but like their delivery and the awkwardness with each reception yeah. like really showed the cracks of, of that foundation. Mm-hmm. And I like that that that's how mirrored at the end because Kim did totally didn't understand that Jimmy at that point in the hotel, right? Yeah. Wanted to break up with her. Yeah. And and then she was like, oh let's do the spa, let's do the dinner, blah blah blah. And then she got Jimmy hooked in with the Howard plan. And yeah. it's such a it's such a reversal it's insane, yeah. and it felt it felt so natural too. Yeah, it did. It did. Yeah, I, I mean, like, but that that scene was a joy to watch for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah. So I I think going into next season, right? Like, I would love to see more of that, but I would also like to see a bit more of them kind of like stepping up, um, you know, to each other, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just to see, you know, just kind of like a battle of which, which we kind of saw with Jimmy like forcing, forcing um the issue with the homeowner, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the initial phase before Kim kind of like accepts and goes along with it. Like, I'm, yep. I'm really curious to see more of that. But now it's mm-hmm. gonna be like uh on a kind of like a bigger level with you know, Kim going to the dark side and Jimmy kind of like adopting a, a bit more of a gray stance would be fascinating to see yeah i mean i i actually haven't considered it before but like kim could be in jail for all you know oh yeah yeah you hmm. know like I, I i didn't quite think of that like but you know with with how with where her head is at right now she could like fuck up one time yeah and, and keep, keep in mind that like kim do you know what a heat check is no like it, it's a it's a basketball term where if someone has caught like twenty in a row, for example, right? Yeah. You you take an a ridiculous shot, like a behind behind the back no look half court shot, just to see whether you can make it, you know? Yeah. Just to just to see how hot you are. Are you really that hot? Let's do something ridiculous, you know? Yeah. And Kim, like from season one to five to the point where she dressed down Lalo in like probably like one of the tensest moments of the show. Mm. Like she keeps having all these heat check moments. How hot is Kim? Like, can she really do no wrong? Like she is she's sort of due for a fuck up yeah. in a in a while, right? Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean what 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 are your f- favorite uh like moments or episodes or scenes from, from uh season five? Oh man. I, I think um 
definitely, you know, the whole desert walking stuff and, and just the really strange kind of like um dynamic between Mike and, and, and Jimmy. Uh, yeah, you know that we kind of get to see a lot more of in Breaking, uh, in in Better Call Saul, and not so much in Breaking Bad, uh, for obvious. I mean, reasons. we see a bit, we see a bit of it, like, But like, it's nice to see how it developed, I guess. Yeah, and it's it's weird because Mike is a strange character to begin with, right? Who's kind of he he philosophizes and all of that, and you know he's kind of like a this in between place where he wants something to do. He's a bored man, right, with a certain set of skills, mm-hmm. uh, and him being the voice of reason like over and over again or just like the pragmatic and and, and the sensible oh, man, it, one in Breaking Bad too like he he was the one that kept warning Jesse to to like get away from Walt yeah yeah so I mean seeing that but with Jimmy in the picture is pretty fascinating right like um, for example yeah, when they're in the car and it's just like you know everyone makes decisions and it sets you down on the road right for yeah. that to have made an enough impact to Jimmy who was kind of in his own kind of emotional and mental flurry at that point it's a PTSD like. he wasn't as used to the gunfights yeah. at that point yeah, yeah for sure but for that to come up again in his conversation with Kim right this yeah, he, episode, he badly paraphrased it yeah you know I was just like damn okay you know, that, that wasn't something I expected to happen like it didn't need to happen uh, mm. necessarily for that conversation to take place but it does show and it does I think it does set up um, the fact that you know I think Jimmy uh, Jimmy's kind of like understanding and perception of who Mike is as a character uh, mm. will, will will change right and it will change for something where there will be that kind of grudging respect that we do see the two of them have in mm. in Breaking Bad um, so like like you said, it was a it was a transformative episode. It's a kind of like a metamorphosis where you bring everyone apart, and it was a it was like a trial, right? Like that both the characters had to kind of go through and pull through. So that for sure. Um, the boardroom scene where Jimmy storms in, um, to yeah. con- uh, confront Massaverde. Wow, I love that scene. So fraught. Man, yeah. So much yeah. tension. So much double speed going on, and even just the the negotiation mm. with uh. Oh man, what's the bank owner's name? Can't remember. Kevin. Yeah, Kevin in the car park with a handshake. Yeah. Oh, so good, so so good. Yep. You know, uh, it's it's pretty amazing. Like, there's something about the way that, uh, the Jimmy's character, right? Like over the seasons, like he's gotten so good at the, at at the speed of his his that he speaks, right? Mm. Like it kind of catches people off guard. You know, and it gives this uh illusion of slickness that comes behind it. But at, but as uh, an audience member, like sometimes that catches me off guard too, right? I I have his, his cadence, right? Yeah, yeah, his cadence and the way that he goes about it, and like all the pausing and all of that. And then you start to realize that uh it's a mode that he goes into, right? Mm. And you start to realize that that mode is most obvious when he's in the courtroom. And it has increasingly over the seasons become more and more obvious and more and more powerful in mm. his day-to-day interactions with people, right? Like he's selling people all the fucking time now, um, which wasn't the case uh, when we started. Jim, Jimmy's, a, Jimmy's a duck, right? You, you see a duck uh, swimming gracefully, but you know his brain is, is the, the legs under the water. Like it's, it's going a million miles a minute. Yeah. He's often panicked. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um there's that. I think um the bit with Nacho and Lalo and the assassins was a pretty good action set piece. Uh Man, I, I actually think it's 
I mean, Breaking Bad had a lot of great action set pieces. Yeah. But I think that was probably one of the longer ones that I've, I've seen from either show. Or one of the more epic ones, yeah, shall we say. For sure. I mean, I, yeah. I really was not... I, I kind of figured Lalo would come out of it, right? But for him mm. to like own in the way that he did was pretty insane, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you just can't count it out so you know let's see where what happens to Nacho now like I think it's pretty obvious what's going to happen uh, with the man and all of that Nacho is another one that like uh, this is quite interesting actually because yeah. like uh, I read and I didn't even notice this I read in a postseason review uh, interview with Peter Gold mm. that uh, Nacho and Jimmy hasn't interacted since season one really yeah, like the the time when Nacho pulls up with the car, Jimmy with the ice cream, right? Yeah, yeah. That was that was their first interaction since season one, episode six. Wow. And it's been that long, and I just never noticed, you know, because like everyone's arcs are compelling in its in their own right. So yeah. I don't I don't necessarily wish for them to come together, like, and and this was sort of the season where everything finally came together, and you know, you didn't even know you wanted it, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and I did, and and hmm. I love Nacho's arc. Nacho is uh, Nacho. I think it's a, a sub, another surprising MVP next to Kim. You know, yeah, for sure. Like uh, for for them to introduce such a character that I'm always constantly worried for. He's the perpetual stuck between a rock and a hard place. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, from him wanting to kill, uh, wanting to get rid of Tuko at first, yeah. sending Tuko to jail, and then trying to uh trying to kill Don Hector with poison pills. Not not poison pills, uh, placebo pills. Placebo. Uh, and then now he's stuck with Gus. You know, and and on the flip side, Gus is also correctly pointed out that he, Nacho, in times of trouble, has always tried to kill his boss. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's that, like. What every dog, uh, every dog, uh, the a needs dog discipline, right? A dog that has bitten the hand of every master he's been with needs to be dealt with with of some hand, yeah. Correct. Yeah. And then Michael says, uh, Mike says that uh, maybe fear isn't a great motivator. Yeah. And and that that's what he says it in response to, right? What I am super interested in with that line is that in in Breaking Bad when. Gus is dealing with Jesse. Yeah. Uh, and a kind of another person who sort of bites the hand that feeds him quite a bit. Uh, is that he says to Mike that uh, he repeats that line: "Fear is not a good motivator. I've learned my lesson." Yeah. Which indicates, which I think is now in hindsight a reference to what he did with Nacho. Lah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I mean, like mm. Nacho this season, like. Man, like he's he's stuck in between Lalo, who is like this superhuman Mexican cartel dude, and and Breaking Bad every once in a while, or the Breaking Bad verse every once in a while is so great at bringing in characters that are like larger than life, yeah. you know, like the cousins and stuff like that, and still make <laughs> yeah. them believable. Yeah. And then he's he's stuck with that and Gus, you know, the ultimate like the criminal ver- mastermind. Right, yeah, and and Lalo for for all his like swagger is pretty smart too, which is what makes him formidable. Yeah, he's smart and superhuman. You know, he the fucker like jumped off a cliff <laughs> onto a car, and and the thing that Peter Gold said was that like that was the real guy doing it. So like it wasn't quite superhuman because the actor did it, so it's doable. Yeah, uh, you know, well, it, like it never quite it never quite stretches this, like disbelief. You know yeah. what I mean? It's kind of it's which, kind of sense. It really is. I, I I think for this fight scene, uh, before before yeah. the fight scene actually happens, the part where he runs into the kitchen, right? Yeah. That, that kind of like really cool, calm demeanor. I mean, obviously assisted by the 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 cut to the kitchen scene, right? But yep. he's just pouring in sweat and like nervous yeah. as shit as he gets into the kitchen, right? I'm just like, damn, you know, like how he he has absolutely no idea what he's doing. 
and he's making mm. the best of whatever moment he's kind of thrown in uh, Nacho, right? I mean, he 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 he's um resourceful, but he's um, outplayed in every. He's season. outplayed. Yeah, he he's able to maybe negate one or two moves. Yeah, you know what I mean. But like the like his opponents are like ten moves ahead, and he has <laughs> two like grandmaster level chess players on either side. Yeah. Which makes me feel so bad for Nacho. It makes me feel so bad for his father as well, who is probably the most innocent uh, victim in, in the Nacho debacle. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I see him time and time again, like, trying to get ahead just a little bit by some breathing room. You know, him him fucking, like, climbing onto a roof to, to jump into a drug den to get <laughs> drugs, you know, to impress uh, Lalo. Um there are so many moments like him being stuck in a in in a car with uh, Gus's guys. Yeah. And then you know one of them walks in basically with the intention to kill his father, and that's just a threat. You know, like he's always being put in these situations, and I feel so bad for him. And he is like this shows Jesse. Yeah. Like he he's always caught in the middle. He is not he is not meant for this. He's not meant for like this side of the pool. Yeah, for sure. You know, like like Jesse was I'm sure like Jesse was a meth dealer too and, and so was Nacho, but they were playing on a more like you know, easier level. This is <laughs> this is, su- this is super deep. This is super deep. Way out depth. Yeah, man. For sure. Man, yeah. Um Lalo I think is such an interesting villain because they didn't have any plans for Lalo when they created the show. Oh. Um it was it was during season two when uh, Peter Gold Peter Gold's idea actually, he was watching uh the episode in season two called Better Call Saul, where Saul was first introduced in Breaking Bad. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Jesse and Walt took it, uh, Saul out to the desert, blindfolded him, basically trying to threaten him to represent them. Yeah. Uh, and Saul, unaware of who his captors were, kept saying that uh, um, it, it was Ignacio's fault. It was Ignacio's fault. Uh, are you Lalo? Is it, uh, you know, if you're Lalo, it's, it's Nacho's fault. So, they had to introduce two characters, Nacho and Lalo, just based on that throwaway line that he gives to Walt, right? Yeah. So they introduced Nacho immediately, and they were they kept thinking, how are we going to bring in Lalo? How are we going to bring in Lalo? Uh, and it's sort of like something that Breaking Bad writers do so well is just come up with shit on the fly. <laughs> yeah. Like, none, none of it is really planned out, but it works out so brilliantly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, for, for that to be a throwaway line and for, for the character that we eventually got, mm. uh, it is insane. Um, as to just I, I really I mean I understand like in theory how the writers are doing it right you know they want to make sure you write yourself in the corner and then you're going to dig yourself yourself out of it uh, mm. which is something that they've been doing since Breaking Bad but to see yeah. its actual execution is a work of wonder right <laughs> I, and every time they pull it out it's like how the like how did you you know, it, it, it really is one of the reasons why I continually come back because there are always these surprises and it's because it surprises um, the writers themselves, right? It, uh, uh, in, in a kind of meta sense, like Breaking uh, Better Call Saul Season 6 feels to me in a meta sense like, like Kim Wexler. Like the writers are like Kim, you know? Mm. Like they keep keep landing these ridiculous shots like well how is your heat going to be checked will it ever be checked because they they haven't stumbled ever you know? yeah yeah you know i, I mean i i want for them to, to keep going right right that went right now with season five like this damn um yeah we'll see we'll see you know going mm-hmm. into season six um high hopes for everything that's doing it but again i think you're absolutely right it's only fair to judge it once um you know uh, we see the series in its entirety. 
Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, e- eager to see, uh, of course, Jimmy and Mike. I mean, it's so nuts that I know where Jimmy and Mike ends up, but you know, I still, I still want to see how they get there. Yeah. Kim and Nacho are probably the biggest... Question marks. The question, biggest question marks. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, last final note before we move on to Medical Saul. Like, Lalo as a villain seems to me, right, like, he's so interesting, so, like, flamboyant, you know, almost a Tarantino villain. Yeah. Uh, that I almost wish that we got to see Walt versus uh, Lalo. Ooh. Uh, just, this, because it, it feels like a, a dream battle of wits yeah. that I, I never got to see, and now I want to, you know? Interesting. But, yeah. But this, the thing is, is, like, when, though? At which point in time? Because, obviously, Walt... Now, I've... I think Lalo is dead by the time Breaking Bad starts. Probably, no, right? we're talking like hypothetical kind of like face-off, right? So are we talking like peak wit, uh, Walt? Peak Walt? Oh, yeah. Mm. Peak Heisenberg versus peak Lalo. Oh, I damn. Mean, yeah, that yeah, would have been insane. You know, it's it's one of those like like Ali versus Tyson kind of like, oh, they never their eras never crossed paths, but what would have happened? Oh, that would have been fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, like at the end of the, end of the day, you know, Walt gets the better of, of Gus. Kind of well in an indirect way, yeah. Right, and at up to this point, it seems like Gus is the um, uh, Gus Fring is is uh kind of like uh winning out against Lalo. So we'll we'll see, mm-hmm. we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. Um, yep. unfortunately, it's something that we won't we'll we'll, ha- we'll just have to imagine that taking mm-hmm. place. Uh, I think Walt will probably win out though against Lalo. But I know Walt's Walt's luck is just yeah, Walt, out of this world, right? Yeah, it's like you can't ever count him out, uh, even mm-hmm. when the chips are down. So, uh, that's my two cents. I think for this fictional kind of like matchup, yeah, in, in yeah. this uh, Breaking Bad universe. I agree. I I just thought that it would be like a great season long arc to oh. see how how Heisenberg can try to defeat Lalo. It's 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 fascinating. Like, I just I just don't know what could be done there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a Breaking Bad fantasy matchup. Uh, <laughs> he loved it. Uh, yeah, I mean, this, this season, phenomenal. We're not sure when next season is going to happen, obviously. Uh, yeah. Production. But, I mean, the good thing is that they weren't in production. They, they were still in the kind of the initial writing phase. Mm-hmm. I think last, uh, Ben Gilligan and Peter Gold, they gave an interview, obviously, after the finale at, you know, try to explain their decisions and all of that. But they also said that they're only now just beginning in two weeks ago to start the writer's room. So they're doing it over Zoom. So the writer's room typically takes two to three months trying to lay out, you know, the scripts, trying to lay out the arcs and all of that. Yep. So, I mean, uh, they weren't supposed to go in production for another six months anyway. So hopefully this all is over by then or it, or at least by then they can find a way to do it safely. Yeah. Yeah, fingers yeah. crossed. Fingers crossed. I mean, like, given that we are used to waiting, what a year and a half, or is it two year years? Year and a half between? usually. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Um. So uh, hopefully, you know, they we won't have to wait too long for for the last season. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, definitely, we're very very excited to see where this goes, and uh, maybe we'll talk about it again when everything wraps up. Oh yeah, definitely. In uh, <laughs> when however long well, it yeah. is, uh, who knows? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh man, uh, can't wait. Uh, next up, I think uh, I recommend it to uh, Isafong to watch uh, an Italian series um, on RAI, but it's actually airing on HBO as well yep. uh, in Asia and in the US. It's called My Brilliant Friend. It's uh, actually an adaptation of a long-running, very popular book series over in Italy called uh, 
also my brilliant friend, uh, is by Elena Ferrante. Uh, it tells the story of uh, two young girls growing up in, I believe, 1950s Naples, uh, in um, poverty, in post-war and in poverty. Uh, yeah. And it, 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 the book series, I've not read the books. I, I'm told they are, they're incredible. Uh, but it, it follows them from the point where they're children, basically like primary school age, all the way to their old women yeah. in, in the 2010s. So it's uh, it's a huge decade-spanning epic, but not an epic in a sense like you know, like what we consider epic. It's more of an intimate epic, you know. Yeah. Very very richly woven, very vivid, very vibrant uh, immersion into into a period of Italian history and and specifically how poor women can make something of themselves in mm -hmm. that particular era. Uh, and I think you've seen uh, the, the bulk of season one, if I'm not mistaken. Let's see. I am... I finished five episodes and I'm like kind of like midway into to episode six, right? Which you were recommending that I get to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really good. It's really good. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, I, I know you've talked about it uh, to me before, uh, but... I mean, given the kind of watch schedule that we've had, just generally, like, it didn't fall very high on, on my to-watch list. So, like, um, doing Behold has definitely given it a chance to to sit down and really enjoy this. Like, it is a beautiful series. Uh, oh, and yeah. the acting is simply phenomenal. I mm. really, really can't kind of emphasize that, especially the, the child actors in the first couple of episodes. Damn, yeah. so good. So, so good. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm definitely invested already, uh, and I'm gonna uh, finish up this season. Uh, the second season is out. Yes, season, second season just ended this week. Very nice. So I mean, like, I'm gonna be binging this for for a fair bit uh, amidst all the other things that we need to watch for genre. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, uh, such a lovely and at the same time kind of like fraught uh, and tense. Uh, story right between mm -hmm. these two girls uh, Lila and Lenu um, why okay how did you come across the series first of all um, I came across it in 2018 uh, it had uh, gotten you know a lot of sterling reviews from Italian press uh, so when it came over to airing on you know international HBOs like HBO Asia HBO America and all of that uh, I thought I should give it a shot um, just because I mean Weirdly, to be honest, like in 2018, I was doing it. It came out December 2018. Yeah. I I was looking at doing. I, I write for a publication for Potwire, so I do TV and movie reviews. So I was doing my best of TV shows list of that year. Yeah. And I was looking through it, and I was like, man, this is very American centric. Maybe I should try watching something else. Mm. Uh. So I came across my brilliant friend at the perfect time. It and I actually ended up being number one uh, that year. Like and for sure, I discovered. Basically, for the sake of diversity, Damn. Uh, yeah, it ended up being like my top pick for 2018, uh, and it was it ended up being like one of my favorite shows right now. In fact, right, like season two is so good that I think it's. I mean, I feel like there are some other shows that are on equal footing with Better Call Saul, uh, yeah. but like they are comedy, they are either comedies or dramedies or nonfiction. Yeah. My Brilliant Friend Season 2 is the only dramatic hour long, which is uh, the closest apples to apples comparison I can find to Metacall yeah. Saul. Yeah. Obviously, very different shows. Yeah. That, I feel, it is actually had, had a stronger season than Metacall Saul Season 5. Damn. And that was Season 2 for me. Yeah. Sweet, sweet. So, I'm, I'm looking forward to f finishing up Season 1 and, and getting to Season 2. Uh, mm -hmm. Just like... Um, 
like I love Lila's character. Li- yeah, Lila's yeah, character. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is pretty amazing. I I think especially the transition between the like the primary school years, uh, that sh- that and the child actress who played her, and then mm-hmm. going into the teenagers and the ch- the actress who plays, uh, the teen, uh, version of her like was pretty kind of like seamless. Like the casting is, p- p- quite spot on. I think. Uh, and yep. I, I feel like that wasn't as seamless with um the other girl, uh, uh, Lenu. Lenu. Um, yeah. but yeah, I'm 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 still at the point whereby you know they haven't quite got out of like that kind of teen phase. Now it's the, you know, the love, the drama, and the the strange kind of competition that they've been having between each other. I haven't hit adult. Um, the two of mm-hmm. them being adults yet, so I'm very curious as to to see how that kind of plays out. Um, there's something incredibly romantic about this show right like it makes me feel uh i mean obviously it's supposed to capture kind of like a bygone era right but it in its own way um it is very heartening to watch despite the fact that there are some incredibly tense and some incredibly almost um horrific moments that kind of happen in the course of these two girls lives that i've participated with uh up till now you know, mm. so um, just as someone who's kind of like finished two seasons already, like is that a a pattern that continues to repeat itself, whereby you know it's it's uh these small tragedies of their lives that they have to continually kind of overcome in the context of their friendship? Is that the formula? In the in a sense, yes, because I think the theme of this book is, or, or the theme of the books in general is is uh, complicated female friendships. Mm. Uh. Someone who is like special to you from the beginning, literally your first best friend, and you know your forever friend, in, yep. in in essence, lah. But it's kind of this double-edged sort of friendship where where like in the first season, Lenu is presented as a very smart girl. Mm-hmm. Lila is just smarter. Yeah, Lenu is a pretty girl. Lila is super gorgeous. Yeah, like Lila does everything better than Lenu almost instinctively. She's just naturally better. Yeah, and Lenu. It's hard to get into Lenu's head, despite her being the narrator slash... I mean, the book is almost autobiographical, but yep. the book is called My Brilliant Friend is because Elena Ferrante slash Elena slash Lenu is describing her brilliant friend, Lila. So it's yep. actually Lila's story, right? Yeah. The reason I wanted you to get to episode 6 was because it was the first episode that was like Lenu-centric, that you really got into Lenu's head. Oh, and, like, you right, right. You understood her character. Yeah. And, and it, it was the first moment that you really saw her grew up into like a young woman uh outside of the confines of her friendship with Leela. Because mm. she she went on she went on summer vacation for three months to an, an island called Ishia. Uh so she became like her, her own fully fledged woman Duella. Yeah. But it's all it's also mostly about how circumstances and differences in in opportunities can drive wedges between the closest of friendships. Mm-hmm. Like Leela is the smarter girl, but Lenu is, ends up being the academic Right, yeah. Just because of a confluence of opportunities and circumstances that Lila never had. Yeah. Lila becomes richer than Lelu mm-hmm. because um, I because mean, sort of a spoiler. Yeah. Shoes and and she kind of gets married later on, which yeah. I think is not that big of a spoiler. Yeah. But her husband is rich and and Lenu still lives in poverty, has trouble paying off school debt, you know. Yeah. So they're both like resentful of each other, mm-hmm. in in a way, but at the same time, really 
they are the only semblance of the past that they have because once you get out of the neighborhood, once they move on to other cities, like yeah. uh, Lenu eventually moves to Pisa to to study, uh, and and Lila moves to you know uh, other places, right? Yeah. Uh, this are this is like the only relationship that the kind of like ties them back to home, lah. You know, as 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 painful as home might be, uh, and as fraught as your relationship can become. Uh, it is it's still the defining formative relationship of their lives. Like it's how they became the people that they are today. Mm-hmm. And, and they can't ever let it go. But in season two, it introduces a lot of big, big obstacles to their friendship. I oh. mean, it's specifically, first one is over a boy, which is, I mean, of course, they're, like, they're 16 to 18 at that point. Yep. Um, but the love triangle is probably like my favorite part of season two because it just felt so so hurtful mm. like i i it, i love triangles usually feel cliche yeah but this one felt so genuinely hurtful that i i didn't know what side to take i felt really bad for lenu and and Leela and the psychologically complex reasons why they would betray each other or why they would fall for this boy yeah you know it's it, it's, it's it's just a very well written very delicate, very interior material. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it's not yeah. like a lot of shows that we watch have a lot of exterior things happening. Like I, th- I will feel like, you know, I think most of the genre shows we watch is a lot of exterior stuff, but this is a lot of psychological stuff going on. Mm. Yeah, it. I mean, yeah. it kind of already feels like that in season one, even as they are kids, right? Uh, yeah. So yeah, I'm 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 curious as to as to where it's all going. So at the end of season two, how old are they now, and where are they in life? Uh, Just um, season one, I think is between like six to ten or six to twelve. Uh, season two is like twelve to twenty. Ah, I see. Okay, so there's like there's slightly more, um, time that they cover in season two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, season two, I mean, it it spends a lot on like uh, Lenu in in uh university, mm-hmm. uh, but. Also, like it, it depends, uh, Like some, like there's one episode that that skips, uh, that takes place over the course of four years, yeah. and there's one episode that takes place over the course of a day. So you oh. know, it depends on like it depends on what the defining moments of their lives are. Yeah, you know. Okay, how that's important, pretty fascinating. How, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'm it's, totally it's, excited to to continue man. with this. Yeah, especially when season. I mean, now that you've told me what what lies ahead <laughs> from this. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty hooked, honestly. Like I, I sat down kind of like over the weekend to to binge um as much of it as I could. Mm. Um yeah. Uh it's been a while since I've watched um a, a European series of any kind. I think the last one I did was Dark with you um when genre. we were doing it for genre, you know. And well, I've seen a bits of like uh the Spanish stuff that's really popular right now, your money highs, mm. your lockdown and all of that. Um, but those are more like guilty pleasure kind of yeah. like fun fun shows. Fun shows, right. Fun shows. Uh this really did put me in a kind of very different state of mind, um, compared to all the other stuff like uh, we're in the midst of reviewing, you know, like Rick and Morty and <clears throat> uh Westworld and all of that. Like it is a vastly different show and it was a really mm-hmm. big change of pace for me. Uh, it's a bit more like you know complicated subtle emotional territory yeah and I really enjoyed it I really enjoyed it I I think I didn't realise I needed that kind of like break from you know kind of like the heavy hitting uh, sci-fi pretty in your face stuff like we just did devs you know we just Mm. did uh, well we just just did Westworld you know just did Rick and Morty like a lot of these like major kind of like life questions about the universe and, and all of that but this is very kind of simple 
story about a very complex relationship and I love it, you know, mm, uh, yes. for it, exactly it, for that reason. It, it, it almost has a... I, I don't know what the the correct terminology is, but it almost feels like very classical storytelling, like like books that were written in the early 1900s, you know, like like Little Women, for example, very uh, coming of age, very rich into character work. Mm, yeah. Uh, and very rich into like immersing you into a point in time, you know, in, in this case, the neighborhood of uh, Naples in the 1950s. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious. I mean, neither of us have, have read the books uh and obviously, we haven't seen we haven't seen like the entirety of the series yet. Um, given yeah. that Little Woman is uh the f- the book within the fiction that oh, yeah, both yeah. girls you know uh aspire to to write right like they want to write a book like Little Woman. Is the structure yeah. actually like taken from that? I'm curious. Yes, yeah. I mean, uh, Elena Ferrante is pretty like open with like her influence with Little Women. Uh, okay. uh but. Also, because this book is semi-autobiographical, yeah, like she does have a friend. I mean, probably the specifics are different, like, yeah. But she does have a friend like Leela, and they did both grow up reading Little Women, and they and she ended up writing a book about her friend called My Brilliant Friend that is based like that is kind of structured like Little Women, yeah. So uh, in in a lot of it, like. This book is pretty much the Italian Little Women, just in a much larger scale. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see. I can see. I mean, like, we just caught Little Women not too long ago. Mm. Mm. Oh, uh, I mean, excellent. Yeah, definitely. Um, Like, as as someone who's just diving into it, um, are, are there, with, without necessarily it being, like, too spoilery, are there moments that I should be, like, in anticipation of? I mean, outside of, like, the love triangle in season two... Or I like mean, uh, even in season one, were there moments like that really kind of like hooked you? Probably, I mean, episode six was the moment where I kind of went from like this is a great show to like a, this is a special show. Yeah, okay. Uh, mostly, be- mostly because like I felt like up to that point it was a great show, but a little bit uneven in the sense that it was uh, it was more geared towards Leela being the interesting character mm. and and Elena not so much. Yeah. Uh, episode six onward sort of like refocuses it because you know Lenu gets a spotlight. And then it becomes a more even playing field. Like you, you feel invested in both characters, and and it really sets the stage for like when they are at odds in season two. I see. You don't know who you don't know who to root for. Right. Like you're 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 in every nook and cranny of each person's psychology, and you understand perfectly what their situation is. Interesting. And why they would behave the way they behave, and like yeah, I mean like if Lila betrays Lenu or Lenu betrays Lila for whatever reason, I totally get it. I hate them for it. I don't know who you know kind of thing. Yeah. It's a it's very great character building, world building, uh, of a specific time and place, you know, and psychologically is is beautifully written. Uh, I think the word is novelistic, right? Like yeah. it, this this feels very like reading a novel. Uh, yeah. And it's interesting because like this is one of the few shows where Elena Ferrante herself uh, wrote the the screenplays for each episode. Oh wow. Uh, yeah. So it's it's as faithful as it can be, because like, it came from the author herself. Fascinating. Fascinating. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm yeah. curious about I I uh, I'm gonna finish up season one and get into season two. I'm curious about checking the books out as well, just because like at this point in time, like mm. there isn't really anything like this on TV at the moment. I feel, mm. Uh, mm. and yeah. you're absolutely right in terms of like it having um, a special place uh, in in a very golden age of TV at the moment. Uh, and I'm looking forward to to watching everything else. Oh, definitely, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, uh, it's season two. Uh, I think Leela's marriage is probably the the biggest point. 
okay. that point of contention. Um, it's going to be a really tough time for her. Uh, whereas Lenu might thrive a bit in season two. Okay. So uh, again, you know, different sets of circumstances that causes them to resent each other. Uh, it's going to be great. Uh, looking forward to you catching up on season two and Sweet. and all of you out there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's if you if you have HBO uh on demand or HBO Go uh all both seasons are available right now. They just uploaded all of them after you know. Nice. Both seasons ended, so you can catch up on that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and next up, um, Isa actually asked me to uh watch no <laughs> watch is not the right word um read uh uh manhwa, which is if you're unfamiliar, the Korean term for manga, right? Yep, that's right. Uh, called solo leveling. Uh, I think actually right. Like when you mentioned this title, it reminded me that that Chris actually did this for the pull list in genre equality like a year ago. Really? Yeah, yeah. Not 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 the most recent time when you were when you were out of town, but like you know last last time. Oh. It was yeah yeah. So like I I kind of went back. I was like oh yeah yeah. Chris actually did recommend this manhwa, which uh I never did follow up on, but now I have uh followed up on it, and nice. it's basically um takes place in Korea. Yeah. Random people have quote unquote awakened and developed powers similar to role playing video game characters, you know? Yeah. Uh gates are opening up, uh, dungeons are full of monsters. Uh people called hunters make money by hunting these monsters. Yep. So it's it's basically like what if we live in an RPG world, right? Yeah. That's the premise, right? E- essentially yeah. that's it. Um so like I I randomly kind of stumbled onto solo leveling. Uh uh, without even realizing that Chris had recommended it for the pool list, um, yeah. So, but it, at that point in time, I think like a fair bit of it has already. Uh, let's see, when did it start? So it started November twenty sixteen, right? So when mm. Chris recommended it, it was in two thousand eighteen. Yep. Yeah. So there's a a a fair bit has progressed since then. Uh, with yeah. everything that's that's going on, they kind of like just finished their first major arc. I'm guessing that would be kind of the end of like maybe season two, you know. Mm. Um, yeah. So, uh, uh, as some of you who listen to genre equality might know, I'm a big like uh, uh, Weibo. I watch a lot of anime. Uh, I read a fair bit of manga. I think this was one of my first kind of real like deep dive forays into uh manhwa, which is you know uh, how the Koreans decide to do it. And what's most fascinating about it is kind of the medium in which that is done in, right? Unlike uh, manga, which is still today still fairly prominent in print, right? Or is the preferred uh, medium of choice for manga. Like, manhwa has fully embraced its web-based um, roots, right? Um, just because it's a much easier way for a lot of these independent creators to reach a wider audience and because of that uh, they have this thing whereby uh, every chapter uh, and and the story is told in an infinite kind of vertical scroll uh, mm. and that allows for some very interesting ways to tell stories right it's not your usual kind of like comic book or marvel dc uh, paneling it's not like your manga kind of paneling either you know it's a bit more free form and that allows for some really interesting and very, very gorgeous pieces of artwork that take you by surprise because the actual movement of you scrolling can be used as movement within the story itself. Uh, mm, and yep. that's something that's caught me. I mean, I've, I've been uh, reading this and uh, before that, I was reading uh, Tower of God, which is another kind of like cult manhwa that recently just got announced that it will be making its way into the anime world. 
Yeah, uh, the first season is up on Crunchyroll, actually. Yeah. Well, not the first season, uh, the first few episodes. Yeah, the first, first few episodes. So, like, Tower of God kind of precedes that. And, I mean, there are a lot of similarities um, between the two kind of, like, um, styles, right? Um, for solo leveling in Tower of God. Uh, which gives me hope that eventually, given that um, I think Kakao Publishing, yeah, Kakao Page has picked up um, the the publication of, of Solo Leveling, it's a high chance that Solo Leveling will become an anime and I'm dead excited for that just because mm. the artwork is gorgeous. Uh, it is amazing. It is pretty mind-blowing that this is the work of one guy. Yeah. Uh, and a labor of love over many, many years. Uh, yep. just generally speaking. Uh, so, so far. Uh, wait. So you're in what twenty episodes? Twenty one or twenty two? Um, twenty one or twenty two episodes in. So you're like his first foray into hell. Is that where you are at at the moment? Um. Okay. So where I was, where we started, obviously, where we all start is like he's this the weakest of the weak, uh, a class E type hunter yep. who uh, gets in over his head into a double dungeon. Yep. Uh, has trauma there and then you know he he discovers that he actually can see this weird uh screen you know yeah. like an additional like, ui in additional the, ui yeah. yeah that's the word i was looking for and only he he's the only person in this world that sort, can sort of level up by doing like these little side quests or exercises and stuff like that you know getting extra strength yep. stats and shit like that you know yeah so it's weird like it's the first 10 issues that i felt was a bit standard. Like, yeah, okay. RPG, well, I get it. I get it. Yep. And then he's the weakest of the week. Oh, I see where the arc is going. How yep. is he going to improve himself? I think the addition of the UI really like uh, readjusted my expectations for what this, this thing was going to yeah. be. I think at that yeah. point in time, when he goes on his first quest, right, I, I um, it really kind of changed my opinion about where this was going, right? Uh, because yeah. you already had kind of like a fantasy slash sci-fi world Invading yep. monsters, people have superpowers and all of that, right? So real life becomes a game. And then he yeah. gets to play a game within the game of real yes. life. Yes. Like it, it suddenly became like sci-fi or, or black mirror or something. Yeah. And like for you know, I, to have those things occur at the same time. Um, kind of like it felt a bit like uh like Sword Art Online, right? For me, where you have like uh, it's obviously we're in the future now it's virtual reality, uh, but by and large everything that takes place takes place in the fantasy world. I'm talking about season one and and uh generally, uh yeah. you know, and I was just like okay, you know, let's see kind of where this goes, right? Um, it is a very shonen type, uh story, mm. right? Uh, you know, yep. um. He has to overcome battles. He's he's not sure if he can, and he uh, he always finds a way to beat the bad guy, and so on and so forth. Um, I think you're at the point where he's still kind of growing. Uh, I mean, like he is he is growing at a fairly remarkably fast rate. Like he he entered the the underground uh, train station. He defeated a bunch of wolves yeah. and this giant snake, uh, and then now he's gone on this quest with like a. A D rank and C rank people. Yeah. So you know, trying to show off like you know, now now he's ripped and everything. Yeah. <laughs> so he is. Uh, he is. You know, it's it's pretty shonen. Like it's it's almost weirdly enough, right? I think like all the three titles we we covered this month has a classical element to them in a the sense that they are very classical to the genre they're in. Yeah. Uh, but they just do the basics. Like, when you do the fundamental... Like, you know, how basketball... Let me talk like a basketball coach. Like, you do the fundamentals well, right? Yeah. Like, you can't be beaten, you know? Like, this does the fundamentals so well. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. So, uh, okay. Without without kind of revealing too much, uh, I'm I'm gonna say yeah. that the reason why I'm recommending solo leveling is because it has so many elements of things that I love at at the uh from other kind of like franchises, right? Uh, you know, uh, on the one hand, there's the whole game thing. So you've got like your Log Horizon uh, references. You've got like uh, your whole um, uh, SAO references, right? Which I really, really like. I, I mean, yeah. that whole genre of um, anime slash manga slash manhua is massive. There are tons and tons of those uh, out there. And a lot of them are really, really good. So on the one hand, we have that, right? On the other hand, uh, and this maybe might be my biggest stickling point of that, is like eventually one of the arcs that you get, and also some of the terminology that is being used, is very derivative of Hunter x Hunter. Especially the ah. first big arc. Uh, the ending gotcha. of this first big arc that they are having, like once he comes mm. into his own, and then like his first real kind of threat that he faces um, mm-hmm. uh, as, a, as a hero, right? Uh, is extremely, extremely derivative of the Chimera and arc. Uh, of uh, of Hunter Hunter, which I just rewatched recently, but the thing yep. is, is that right now you're at a place in the story where he's still kind of growing and still kind of like understanding. There are certain twists in terms of what kind of powers he gets later on that are mm. mind blowingly ridiculous, but it works. Okay. Uh, okay. and it actually reaches a point where it starts to read a bit like One Punch Man. Mm, okay. Basically, right? So, like, it's it's. A... Well, he he's the only one can, that can keep leveling up. Yeah. Nobody else can. Uh, so well, he has got the point at, at a certain. Well, I mean, like, I mean, I'm sure that once we delve deeper into what the fuck the UI is, yeah. there might be other people like him. But at this point, from where I'm standing right now, it looks like he could easily be the strongest if he just keeps at it. Yeah, I, I mean, they yeah. they've already dropped a couple of hints that like he may not necessarily be the strongest. There are a couple of characters that come in as well. Uh, that may upset that that because right now he thinks he's the strongest, right? Like, uh, mm. um, or, or at least where the story ends, like people have that assumption that's that who he is. That's going to change really, really soon. I think in the next couple of months. Uh, currently, uh, by the way, guys, this this story is still ongoing. So, uh, it yeah, it, every week, right? Yeah, every week is a kind of work in progress. I think it's on break right now, um, mm. or was on break because because of the pandemic and um, the author just wanted to take some time, um. Or for uh, to address some mental health stuff, um, so it will be resuming really, really soon. Um, so it's something that you can kind of keep up with. Uh, every week, each chapter is like ten, um, ten minute read, right? Hits. I mean, could be even shorter. Yeah. Like sometimes I just like you know like take some time to appreciate the art, look at the composition, yeah. See how it. So I mean, it's it's like like you were saying actually earlier. This is my kind of first um, introduction to a webtoon yeah. where. I mean, yeah, of course, I have a CBR, and, yeah. and those of you who pirate comics know what that is, lah. <laughs> uh, but like, I mean, I have a okay. Like, I read from left to right. Yep. That's what I've always done. And okay, yeah, like last time I used to study Arabic, so I can read from right to left as well. Yep. But like, reading from up to down is so new to me. Like, I've never, I've never done that before. Yeah. And it, it was one of those things that like made it very propulsive, especially if you have a scroller on a mouse. Yeah. Like you just scroll down, scroll yeah. down, and and what you were talking about, you know, the the usage of scrolling down, to to kind of accentuate some of the action sequences or the the art or the paneling, you know, like how it's used there, it's pretty amazing. Uh, the only issue I have is just like my finger is like painful, like after half an hour. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I've yeah, been, well, I've been try, scrolling, if scrolling, you're using scrolling, scrolling. Yeah, I mean, when it's on your phone, it's the kind of same thing, right? You're just like scrolling. Yep. Oh, if you're reading on your phone, right? Like it's the same kind of thing. Your thumb is just like the scrolling, 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 and like after a while, it does get pretty tiring, especially if you binged it like I did. 
Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I finished a whole series in, in over the course of like three days, if I'm not wrong. Um, wow. Yeah, just like consuming the whole thing. Um, yeah, so uh, it, it gets interesting, right? Uh, I think mm-hmm. there are moments in time set amidst uh, a, a pretty interesting premise uh, mm-hmm. that may not necessarily be original, right? Uh, within this interesting premise and some gorgeous artwork is uh, mm-hmm. uh, an experiment, right? To see how many of the ideas that the author likes that he can implement and make his own uh, mm-hmm. into this story. Um, how yep. successful it's going to be, we will, we will see. I think this is worth reading just based upon the merit of the art alone, right? And the I mean, of... I think that the narrative is very propulsive too. Yeah, it is. Um, and we do get like a fair bit of uh, uh, the author, especially in the beginning, right? When he was a bit more kind of like, it was a bit more of a, a obscure thing and people it hadn't really caught on yet. You know, he had mm-hmm. these kind of weekly messages where he talks to his fans about, like, you know, how do you guys find the chapter? Like, I'm not really good at the writing part of it, you know, but I'm just like trying it out and all that. You can, it really shows as he kind of moves along uh, how he does character mm-hmm. work, how he like frames like kind of certain scenes. It becomes a lot more uh, cinematic in its presentation. Uh, mm. And with the kind of artwork that he, he's, been, he's been churning out, uh, it, it really does become uh, increasingly enjoyable um, uh, uh, exercise um, reading this manhua. So, uh, highly recommend it. Um, yep. This is something that uh, when once I discovered it, I started telling all the guys uh, who, who are into manhua, like, please check this out. And I've been following it regularly uh, as and when, you know, something new drops out. I really hope that uh, someone picks it up as an anime because I think it deserves to be made into an anime and be just generally be discovered by a much wider audience. Uh, I Tower of God is a massive kind of undertaking. It's like seven hundred chapters or something along those lines, right? Uh, in yeah. the realm of um, what um, like One Piece is now at the moment, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, and the fact that they take that someone is daring enough to take that on, uh. Uh, hopefully, it's an indication that uh, solo leveling will get picked up as well, uh, and yeah, that's. Uh, I'm really curious to see like how it goes as far as you know, um, shonen tropes and and things like that. Like, I think it's stuck pretty fairly well. There's no filler at all, which is great, right? So all the great shonen, like anime and manga that we like, there's like ton of filler. Naruto and Bleach being like the main culprits for worst that. Worst Offenders, yeah. Yeah, Worst Offenders. Uh, but still, right, like people love those franchises to death. I think that solo leveling, if you can forgive some of the derivativeness um, in certain parts of it, has the potential to be a great um, franchise. Enemy um, and franchise, yeah. A- as a manhwa and hopefully in the future as as a uh, uh, anime as Say well. Again? Yeah, I think that's pretty much it from me for solo leveling wow we've actually mm-hmm. yeah 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 man um i i feel that like from yeah. where i am i feel i feel like it's a very addictive uh read like very quick to read very easy um i love the action of it and i mean the art like you were saying like you actually get to see the artist grow um mm. chapter by chapter week by week i think that's fascinating as well yeah maybe the, the only slight nitpick and i i don't nitpick the shonen trolls because um for me, right, like, uh, sh- to be fair, like, all shonen is derivative. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's not, it's, I'm blind to it anymore. Like, it's, it's something that I have to accept. 
it's it's one of those things like you know it's it's like when I watch wrestling right there's just some things that I have to accept if not you can't buy into it yeah, yeah. like and I for me to buy into Shonen I accept that all Shonen is the same to an extent yeah that's fine <laughs> with me my only yeah. issue and is it's that it's kind of like, what they do with it right like kind of what they yeah. do with those tropes that, that kind of make it interesting Correct. I mean, like, yeah. So there is a cookie cutter formula. A, a recent but, kind of example you know, uh, different of how people you can, can do formula flip differently. Like, uh, head, right. My hero academia but clearly a show. Yeah, but but maybe the thing mm. that I am maybe a bit struggling with, like, do you think that the English translation is a bit off? Uh, it is. It's gotten better since Kakao uh, Page has adopted it because now they have official translations. Um, right, right. Yeah, so I think that was from chapter... The early ones lah. Uh, chapter 50-something onwards or chapter 60-something onwards. I can't remember. At one point in time, like, the translator gets... There's a there's an actual, um, like, legit translator sent by the public... Uh, the publication. Mm, uh, because... By the publisher. Yeah, the early ones, the dialogue feels, like, super stilted. And, and I don't... That could be a mixture of him being a novice writer, sort of, like, finding his footing. Yeah. Uh, in, in I mean, it's like a lot of season one shows, like the the story and the writers haven't really found their footing or their grasp on these people yet, yeah. which is fine. Yeah. Because I love the premise, I like the action, but it also I I assume it could be lost in translation somewhat. Also, like yeah. it feels a lot like the dialogue almost feels singlish in the early issues. Yeah. So um, what's interesting about this? Uh, and and the thing is, is like uh um, you you can read guys, you can read all of this online for free. Um. It's mm-hmm. on. Oh, I, I can't remember. Maybe we can we can post a link or something. I'll put the link in the description below. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And uh. So that's all up for free right now. Uh. But in the initial stages, before the author actually, um, uh, linked up with a a uh, a friend of his who could do the translation for him, like people were just doing fan subs, and the fan subs yeah. were getting publicized. And one of those yeah. fan subs were was a bunch of guys translating into Italian and then translating from Italian into English. Man, yeah, there, there's a certain like wonkiness yeah. to almost a Google translateness to it, right? Yeah, so like there are I, I think you are in like the heat of that that period because at that point in time that was the best English translation available. Mm. Uh so yeah, you gotta kind of forgive that. But then again, like I always assume that any sort of uh like international uh, uh, product right. Um, gets lost in translation, right? Um, same for manga, same for anime. Um, there's definitely something that I'm not understanding, and I'm yeah. missing out on. Uh, you will have to put up with it for a number of chapters more. Uh, but given where you're at right now, like it doesn't really matter till much later, and by then the translation gets a lot better. Yeah. Mm, of course, because at at the moment, like it's not the most complex story in the world. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna be able to follow. Easily and and it can close one eye like with the start of yeah, things, for sure. very small issues. Mm. But yeah, but like uh, I'm I'm pretty like hooked onto the manhwa already. Uh, if you want to read it, uh, it's called Solo Leveling. I've included the link for you at the description below, so uh, do check it out. Yep. Um, if you want uh, Better Call Saul, um, now that the season's ended, we'll probably end up on. Oh, it's actually already up on Netflix. Yeah, it's already on up on Netflix. Five. Uh, that's where I watch. Definitely. It uh, My Brilliant Friend, uh, available on HBO or HBO Go or HBO Now if you're in Asia. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, definitely do do check it out. Mm. Like, all, all of these are things that, like, we 
we desperately like want people to see or watch and maybe things that we don't talk about on a regular basis yeah. and and this will be the format of the show going forward yeah um so uh, hopefully you guys um if you have the time or if you're into uh the things that we've talked about today go check those things out um yeah and i mean like hit us up feel free to hit us up if you've got like thoughts and comments and things like that um uh, whether or not you know what's in real life or you just want to leave a comment uh on yep. the various pages that we have um let us know uh if it's something that you liked and uh if you want us to cover things um mm -hmm. maybe um you know we were looking in the future we'll look at doing that as well yeah 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 um, ideally, we're probably gonna like pump these out over the next couple of months because it's probably the best timing for us to, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. roll out a bunch of episodes. So, uh, you'll be seeing us with some frequency, like, in the next uh, weeks and months to come. Yeah. Um, I think uh, till then, um, I'm hit zero. I'm Isa. Uh, we'll see you next time for Behold on the Genre Equality Channel. Goodbye, guys. Ciao.